Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10 of our midweek podcast. I'm Pastor Josh. Can you believe we're at episode 10? This is this is awesome. I mean, 10 episodes in and we are continuing our Close Encounter series. And today we're looking at the encounter between Jesus and Pilate. This is actually one of my favorite encounters. And I, I never preached a sermon about Pilate. And it was, I got to tell you, the whole research part of this was just awesome. It really brought a whole different space in terms of understanding who Pilate is, what his encounter with Jesus was all about, and to, to actually see that, to actually read through that encounter, you can go to John chapter 18, verses 33 to 38, or you can go to also John 19, verses 8 to 11. I kind of touched on both sets of scriptures this past weekend. But I mean, this is an incredible, incredible encounter. There's so much in here about what truth actually is and our difficulty with it and how hurt and pain and all kinds of different things that have gone on in our lives can actually jade us or cause us to become cynical enough that we miss the truth that's in front of us. And if you remember the story at all, and I'll just go through it really quickly, here Jesus has been already uh, condemned by all of the Jewish religious leaders. They already have so much problems with him, but they can't kill him. And so they they take him to Pontius Pilate, who can actually execute him. See, the Jews at that particular time, based on Roman governance, couldn't just kill people, couldn't just execute capital punishment on folks. So to get that, they actually go to the ruling, reigning governor of the time, uh, who was Pontius Pilate. And so they take him there and they accuse him of a lot of things that he uh, did not do like they think that they that he did. And Pilate now has to decipher whether or not this guy is actually innocent or he is the guilty party that these people are saying that he is. And he has this conversation with Jesus that is, I, I think is so good. You know, like he asks Jesus, are you really a king? And so the whole reason why he's asking that is to really decipher whether or not Jesus is saying that he is the king of Israel, whether he is truly a king, because if that's the case, then that means he's going against Rome. And in fact, what is kind of wild is that Pilate's father-in-law is Caesar Augustus. You know, when you read the book of Luke and it, and it says that Caesar Augustus uh, made a decree that there'd be a census made throughout the whole uh, region. Well, that's the guy. That's, that's Pilate's father-in-law. And so now he's, not only is Caesar uh, the ruling and reigning, you know, emperor of Rome, but of the Roman Empire and also of that region that Jesus is living in at the time. So for him to say, I'm a king, is going against that. And so I mean, Pilate's trying to figure that out. Is this actually what he is saying? And so when Jesus says it, but then he says things like, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, do, do you actually think that? Is that your own thought or did you get that from somebody else? And by the way, my kingdom's not of this world. It's of a whole other space. And so obviously, Pilate is kind of struggling through, well, who is this guy actually? And for, and for Pilate, there had been so many people throughout, as we see it throughout Jewish history, is that there are other people that have come in and have claimed to be the Messiah that were trying to politically, militarily, you know, um, become the king of that region. Now, there is a king in that region. His name is Herod. Uh, you can remember him as well from the earlier parts of the of the book of Luke but and other parts of the Gospels. But ultimately, like Herod is actually a ruling and reigning king that is influenced and ruled and reigned himself by Rome. So there's a lot of political complexities. There's a lot of stuff going on here that is actually kind of difficult. And then all of a sudden, 
Pilate is introduced to this guy, Jesus. I'm sure he'd heard about him before, but he he's introduced to this guy named Jesus who's been busted and bruised and hurt, who's standing in front of him. He is a homeless rabbi from northern Israel, uh, which was considered to just be kind of like a very rural area, you know, just kind of like rednecks. And so now he's got to figure out, well, what, what am I supposed to do here with this person? All of these religious leaders are are pulling the people into a riot, and I want to make sure that they're uh, you know not doing that as well as the zealots or the the other people that are trying to depose the Roman government. Uh, the zealots were militarily uh, militia. I mean, that's what they were, and they were saying that Rome had no business being in Israel and they were going to take it by force. And so, you know, if if the religious leaders are all kind of elevated and then the militia is elevated. Pilate's going to have a problem on his hands. And so now here's this homeless rabbi, like I was saying before, uh, in front of him, and he's got to figure out what to do. Well, I, I don't know about you, but if I was Pilate, I would be so not only conflicted, but angry and overwhelmed and add another layer to this whole thing. And this is why I'm saying all this, right? I want to show you all of the layers that are going on with Pilate. Add to the fact that his own father-in-law has said to him, look, you are not doing a good job. I've already put you in some different spaces. I've already made you the governor of other places or, you know, you've done other things and you didn't do a good job there. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in Israel. I'm going to put you in the region that nobody wants to go to, that every Roman governor is hated in, and you better do a good job. Otherwise, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, he's married to the guy's daughter, so not only is there political pressure, not only is there, uh, you know, the, the job pressure, but there's also the fact that there's family pressure on top of it all. So he's got family pressure. He's got job pressure. He's got governmental pressure. He's got political pressure. He has uh, all of these other people on this side saying how bad he is. All of the Jewish leaders saying how awful he is, how he shouldn't be there. The zealots saying how he shouldn't be there. On top of all of that, too, he comes from a whole society where truth is constantly being fought after by different philosophers who have different ways of being, who actually demean the other side in a way that's not good and not healthy. And so all of that said, can you not hear, can you not feel how stressful this whole situation is for Pilate with this Jesus guy standing in front of him? If he makes the one wrong move, he is done. And yet, who is standing in front of him? Jesus, the Son of God, the one who came to actually not only save the world, but also save Pilate. And they have this conversation about truth, right? Where Jesus actually says, hey, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. My whole reason for being is to come and show people the truth. And people who are on the side of truth, listen to me. And then what does Pilate say? Well, what is truth? And when he says it, can you hear the cynicism in it? He is completely and utterly jaded. And I think this is one of those stories that can really apply to many Christian people who not only say they love Jesus and have given their hearts to him, their lives to him, but who have been hurt over time, who have a lot of complexities that surround them. I mean, literally, when we think about our lives, they're not that much different than 
pilots, right? We have family pressure. We got work pressure. We have uh, all kinds of pressure coming us from different sides. You know, Christianity pressure and and how to be and in-law pressure and, you know, all kinds of stuff that actually weigh on our shoulders. And we're trying to manage perspectives and everyone's giving us their truth, right? So, you know, the stuff going on at work, that's, you know, that they, they have a truth. Family reality has a truth. Everything has a truth. And we're all kind of struggling to figure out, well, how, like, what is true in all of this? Like, who can I trust? Who can I actually lean on? How can I actually get through the next day? Because I just don't know how I'm going to do it. And for many people in different stages of life, you know, the pressure of it builds in different ways, looks different, feels different. But at the end of the day, I think for all of us, depending on what has happened to you in the past, what's sitting on your shoulders in terms of what is true feels a lot like Pilate. And depending on pain and hurt and whatever has happened, my goodness, you might be really jaded. You might have a little bit of cynicism, if not a lot of cynicism, because people who you thought you could trust, people that you that uh, you know you put a lot of stake in, people that you might not even know that have taken shots at you or have hurt you, um, you know, situations that did not go the way that you would hope that they had gone, all of that can begin to build up walls of cynicism. But here's the problem. This is what we learned from the story is that cynicism can actually make you blind. I I said the point this, this past weekend, cynicism makes you sightless. We can have a tendency as human beings to allow all of the bad things that have happened to begin to harden our hearts. And the tragedy is that as we harden our hearts, we start building a wall of cynicism that makes us miss the truth that's in front of us. I mean, there were other points made too, but I think this one is is probably is one of the most important because as I pastor people, as many of us pastor people, you know, all of us at Elam, we meet a lot of folks that have been really hurt by things. We meet a lot of people that are refusing to trust. We have a lot, we meet a lot of people that are actually missing out on what God has for them because of bad things that have happened, because life didn't work out the way that, that they wanted it, and now they're they're bitter, but it's led to building walls of cynicism to protect really to protect themselves from being hurt. And if I can encourage you with anything today, it, it is it is this. Guard your heart. You see, when Pilate says, what is truth? The tragedy is that truth is standing right in front of him. Like, what is true about him? What is true about his life? What is true about his situation? What's true about all of the things that have occurred? What's true about the religious leaders? What's true about the zealots? What's true about the philosophers? What's true about everything around him? The truth can be found in the person that stands before him, this homeless, beat-up, rabbi named Jesus. And because it doesn't make sense to him, right? One of the points uh, I said this weekend was the source of truth is not found in facts and figures, but it's found in faith. But he is so blinded by his cynicism that he cannot allow his own heart to be molded by the spirit so that he can actually see that Jesus is the truth, that he's the way, that he's life, right in front of him. He's completely missing it. I mean, Pilate literally betrays truth. I mean, he knows that Jesus is innocent, and yet what does he do? He turns around and he 
still says, I'm going to wash my hands of this. I'm going to give them to you because it's better for me to protect myself than to actually be honest about what is in front of me. The last point I made uh, on the weekend was this, that Jesus is your gateway to reality. I mean, if you really want to know what's going on in your marriage, you want to know what's going on in your business, you want to know what's really going on in, uh, you know, your, your, when it comes to your parenting, in your own heart and life about how you feel about certain things, you really want to know? Well, the only place that you will ever find that is in Jesus. And I know that sounds so uh, churchy. I know that sounds so corny. And yet we also looked at John chapter eight. So this is what Jesus says in John chapter eight, 31 and 32. He says to the, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you want to know exactly what's going on, really like in reality, the rest of the world, if we're really honest, is living in some kind of fog of fantasy, right? Like where everybody is just trying to believe that they are better than they actually are. There's there's people shoving stuff underneath the rug. There's there's people you know pushing stuff aside, not being truthful with themselves, always blaming other people because they don't want to be really honest about what's going on inside of them. And Jesus here is saying something I think that is so important. This is probably one of the most misquoted portions of scripture on the planet, right? People just just take it. Oh, the truth will set you free. So what, what, what truth though? I mean, the fact that gravity is a theoretical truth, is that what we're talking about? No. Jesus says specifically, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth. The only way that we can know what is actually true, really true, is if we take Jesus' teachings, apply them to our hearts as we are really his disciples, and then we will know what is true. And that truth, Jesus says, will what? Set you free. And again, I'm not saying you know, the truth of what a particular denomination says or church says or whatever. I'm talking about like people who genuinely love Jesus are willing to go to the scriptures themselves to listen, to read about, apply the teachings of Jesus, no matter how hard those things are. If you hold to my teachings, he says, you are really my disciples. So people who are actually the disciples of Jesus are folks that hold to his teachings. And he says, then, when you've held to my teachings, when you've applied them to your heart and life, when you've demonstrated that you are my disciple, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll know really what's going on if you go to his teachings specifically. And that's really what discipleship is all about. Discipleship in in pure definition, I heard a guy named Chad Veach say, say this one time, that discipleship is being a fully devoted follower, both to the teachings and the teacher both to the teachings of Jesus as well as the teacher himself. If you and I want to actually be free, we have to go to the source that actually frees us so that we can live in reality, so we can live the best lives we could ever live, so that we can actually see things as they are and actually address them. There is nothing worse when you know there's a problem, but you act like there's no problem. 
There's nothing worse than when you know that there's a situation going on, but you ignore it because, you know, there's a problem. It's like having a bill to pay and you just keep taking the the mail and putting it into, you know, a, a drawer and act like you don't actually have to pay that bill. You still have to pay that bill no matter what you have to pay that bill. But pushing it aside only makes it more detrimental for you. You're not living in reality. There's really a number that needs to be paid. And so you should just probably pay it and get it done. But we ignore those things because we don't, we think that we're better than we are and we are not. Some of us are dying inside and we actually need the Spirit and Jesus to show us what is actually going on in our hearts and our lives for us to get better. So, as a group, uh, or if you're listening to this by yourself, I, there's a few, few things I, I just want you to begin to ask questions of yourself in, in your heart. First and foremost, are, are you living just for facts and figures? Are you basing everything that's going on in your life based on what you see rather than on the faith that is inside of you that Jesus has to take care of those things? Are you waiting for all the practicalities to fall into place? Are you missing the truth that's in front of you because you're waiting for, for tangible signs when really what Jesus is calling you to do is to trust him. Maybe the question you need to ask yourself is, are, is your heart hard from cynicism? Have you built a wall of jadedness and cynicism that's actually preventing you from seeing what God is actually doing in your life? Have you been so hurt? Have you been so let down? Do you feel like there's just so many things that have gone wrong that life is not working your way that you've truly built up a wall and now as Jesus is trying to actually get to you and talk to you, you have kept him out because you're so terrified that if you let him in or let anybody in for that matter, that you will be let down once more. And that is not a good space to be in. And I think that's a, it's really a thing to check. And then lastly, are, is Jesus your gateway to reality or are you just shoving things under the rug? Are you pushing things aside? Are you blaming other people for the, for the things going on in your life? Listen, we cannot get better unless we're honest about what is going on. We have to ask the question, what is truth from a vantage point of being willing to hear the answer truly as it is? And the only place where we'll get that is in Christ. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time every week to do this. Listen, if you want to go download other other episodes that we have, you can do that at, at elamchurch.podbean.com. Also, you can go download them at iTunes. Just search up Elam Church. As well, if you have any questions or you want to find out more about Elam uh, overall, you want to make us your home church, we would love to do that. Uh, you can go to our website, elamchurch.ca. There is a listing of all of our programs, all of our stuff. You can catch up on the latest sermons from there. You can do anything from elamchurch.ca. Listen, thank you so much again for listening. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you again. Have a great day.